if you're giving someone 12 weeks of unpaid leave, they're really stressed about it. What happens then? They come back and you're getting terrible quality work because they possibly just had major surgery six weeks ago or they're still exhausted. And so forcing someone to come back too early results in really negative productivity. And so at the end of the day, you would be better off to just pay them for 12 weeks or 16 weeks and have them come back as their best selves. And by the way, there's a lot of research showing that once you become a parent, your productivity skyrocket. Welcome to Hiring School, a weekly podcast about recruiting for non-recruiters. I'm Jackie Koch, and I have over 15 years of experience prospecting talent and building teams for Fortune 500 companies, startups, and small businesses in all different types of industries. I'm the founder and CEO of People Principles, where I help founders scale and lead their teams with programs, courses, and boutique agency services. My goal is to simplify the hiring and team building process so that you, founders and not so solopreneurs, can implement modern, effective, and efficient hiring strategies that help you build the team that you want to help you scale. If you can't seem to find the right job candidates or simply don't know where to start, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Welcome to the Hiring School Podcast, the podcast all about recruiting for non-recruiters. Today, we have a special guest, Allison Whalen. Allison is the co-founder and CEO of Parentally. Parentally helps companies improve the entire experience of paid parental leave so that employees feel supported and thrive and so that businesses also improve. It helps with employee retention, employee engagement, a bunch of things, which we talk about in the episode. We go over why and how small businesses can and should offer paid parental leave to their team. And I really loved how we dug into how offering a paid leave to team members, it just really helps with employee happiness, engagement, and retention, all things that are so needed in today's labor market. So I'm excited for you to to hear and learn probably some things you haven't really thought about before and a benefit that you can offer to your team that lots of bigger organizations are offering. And you as a small business owner have the opportunity to do it as well. And it doesn't impact you quite as much as you actually think. So excited to dig in. You can follow Allison on LinkedIn or visit parentally at parentally.com. So let's dive in. Allison, welcome to Hiring School. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I feel like everyone's going to learn so much from this and have a totally different viewpoint on so many offerings that you can can give to your team. So let's get started. First, I want to start with your why and what inspired you to start Parentally. Yeah, so I have been thinking about this business for a very long time. I had my first child in 2017. I was 33, so a little bit older, although that's becoming more common to have your first child in your 30s. And I was a manager, as you know, we were managed by Q. I had a small team. And when I was pregnant, it was the first time in my life that I felt deep insecurity because I had invested in my career. You know, you sort of realize as you welcome a child into the world, how much of your life before that, you just had so much time to focus on yourself. And I was starting to realize that as I was pregnant. And I started to have this deep fear that what I wanted wouldn't be possible, which is that I 
deeply wanted to be a mother. In fact, I wanted to have multiple children, but I also wanted to be really good at my job. And I wanted to not have to give on one of those. And so as I was pregnant and sort of feeling really insecure, I'm looking around, I don't really have a lot of role models. There weren't many mothers at all at our company. I mean, we were very, I mean, I think we were like a hundred people start up at that point. And there weren't any mothers at that point in, you know, senior ranks, probably at junior ranks either. I don't think there was, I can't think of anyone. I think there were two women who went on leave before me, one didn't come back. And so I was sort of in this moment of fear and didn't really know what to do. And I thought, is this the moment in time where I'm going to fall off the path that I want? So I put together what I thought was a good coverage plan. I went on leave, I came back and I was just really deeply affected by how bad that experience was returning to work because I came back, my team was really struggling. They'd missed goals. They had not felt supported while I was out. There were a lot of things. I mean, everything had changed in the business over the three months that I was out and I could not figure out how to get back on track. And I was really upset because I thought, this is so not set up to support new parents. Because when you think about like, you would never have a new hire show up and just ignore them. And that is the status quo for parental leave. You have someone come back to work. Everything has changed, especially at any company that's moving quickly. And there's nothing in place. And so you walk in and your business is behind where it should be. You're in charge of fixing it, but there are no tools or resources to do that. And the big epiphany I had was that it didn't actually have to be this way. I realized now with experience, I know all of the things that I wish someone had told me to do because so many of the problems in the return to work period stem from poor planning up front or lack of planning. And so that was the moment in time where I just became, I started obsessing over this. Like if we really want to support, especially women, if we really want men to take their parental leave, which most don't when, even when they offered it, it comes down to one thing, which is how do we support their career? And there were no resources for the career side of parental leave. There was a lot of support around health and wellness and things like that. So that was really where I started focusing on this. And it took us a, I have a co-founder. We talked about this for a long time before we actually started building our business, but that led to what we do today, which is effectively one-on-one career coaching or group coaching that is combined with our prescriptive materials. And so pre-leave, there's like week by week guidance, templates, checklists. We've crowdsourced everything from hundreds of parents. And then they're meeting with a career coach and then on return to work, very similar, less of a course, more of a toolkit because everyone's experiences are different when they return to work. But when you think about it, you know, the return to work period is for most mothers, especially when they look back on their career, that was the most vulnerable moment in time in their career. And so it is the moment where they can most benefit from working with a career coach, particularly ones like ours that have, this is all they do. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions I want to ask on that. I guess my first question would be, how did you not blame your employer? Like, did you feel angry at them at first or did you realize they just didn't know better? Like how, I'm so curious about that. Yeah, I don't remember feeling mad at them. I remember feeling a little hopeless because they actually promoted me right when I came back. And so I thought they did what they were supposed to do. And yet here I am thinking about leaving. I don't remember feeling mad at them. And I certainly am not mad at them today. I remember feeling mad at the system and thinking they've done what they were told to do, which is give her the time, which they did. Don't bother her. Don't reach out to her. Let her welcome her baby, which they did. And in hindsight was a mistake, but 
none of us knew that at the time. I wish I would have been kept up to speed and allowed to provide my opinion on certain things. And then they promoted me. And then they constantly asked me, what can we do to make this better? What do you need? And so I don't feel angry at them. And I think that's why this is such an interesting topic for employers of, I don't actually think many employers are to blame. And I think it's just a situation where in no company is there a person who's responsible for a successful parental leave program. And yet it is so incredibly important. And so if there's no owner of this experience at a company, then of course, best practices are not developed. And of course, there isn't a program in place. And especially at a small company. I mean, no one is going to have the time or the resources to do that. So no, I don't feel angry. I felt that that sort of anger I felt at the situation very quickly turned into like my business hat of this is good business because no one's going to want to do this internally, but they will recognize the value. So they will pay me to do it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible that you're able to like shift that and look at it as an opportunity. A lot of the listeners to the show are likely small business owners who may or may not have worked in a large company before where there was a legacy maternity leave or, or what have you. So I guess I'd love to know, how have you seen the paradigm shift over offering paid leave when you are going through the child bearing or adopting or, or what have you process? Like, how have you seen that paradigm shift since you started your career to what it is today? I think you can answer that more clearly from when I started focusing on this, because I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't, I wasn't really aware in my early twenties, what was happening here. I would say in the past five years, what I've seen is there are kind of three things. One is transparency. It's just incredible. I mean, every single company now, not everyone, but so many companies now are publishing their policies on the internet. So you can just know what it is without having to ask, which is phenomenal. So many people are asking about parental leave in the interview process. There's just this acceptance and this transparency around parental leave that is really new, that is almost like normalizing parental leave more and establishing it as just, and I should say paid parental leave. It's establishing it as, as a table stakes. Like this is not a benefit. This is something that every company needs to have. And I don't feel like that was the case five to 10 years ago. And now it is. And driven by a lot of the transparency and people, quite frankly, just demanding it. The second thing that has shifted pretty significantly, which I think is going to ramp up even faster, is men. Previously, men were offered nothing, maybe two weeks. In some very progressive employers, maybe they offered four but that was it. And that is, that has changed so dramatically over even the past like two to three years. I'm seeing so many companies that offer gender neutral leave. So everyone gets 16 weeks or more common actually, which is a little surprising that this is more common. It's not gender neutral, but it is birthing and non-birthing. And it's usually structured as eight weeks bonding leave that anyone can have plus six to eight weeks of disability leave for the person who has the child. And so I'm not seeing as much gender neutral, but I'm seeing a huge increase in what non-birthing, i.e. usually fathers, but also adoptive parents are allowed to take. And that is, I think, where society is headed. I mean, it really goes back to, we have so many women who are highly educated, so many women in the workforce. Why are they the only ones that are being asked to go take care of a child and not the father? So that's a huge shift. And then I think the third one is just the length of leave. When I took my leave with my first in 2017, I had 12 weeks paid and I thought that was really good. And most companies, you know, if you got 12 weeks, that was considered really good. 
it's not considered good anymore. It's considered okay. And I think it's probably aligned with like what we think of for FMLA. And so you think, oh, 12 weeks, but it's paid unlike FMLA. Now we're seeing 16 weeks almost across the board is just what everyone is offering, who we speak with. And then if you want to go above and beyond, you have to provide 20 or 24. I mean, that's probably going to be a little shocking to a lot of the small business owners listening to this, right? So I guess before we dig into the differences between maybe some larger companies that you work with or more, I don't want to say well-funded, but funded companies probably have a little bit of a, a different mindset on it. Let's like go into some of the major benefits that you found to offering paid parental leave because every employer pretty much has to provide 12 weeks to somebody who has, you know, goes through the FMLA process, but that doesn't have to be paid. So what are some of the benefits of providing it as paid leave? So when I think about that, because a lot of what I do as a passion project side interest, and not necessarily, we don't actually advise on policy as part of our business. We don't make money that way, but we do a lot of work to educate a lot of companies. We know a lot, we have a lot of resources. And when I think about talking to a lot of the smaller clients who come to us and say, we don't have a policy or we have a limited policy and we want to make it better, but we need to make the case to the CEO, for example. Oftentimes, I really focus on the business case. What are the business benefits? And so I just want to acknowledge that there are a laundry list of benefits on the health and mental wellness side of things that I almost ignore because if that was enough to convince us, we as a nation would have a mandated policy. Clearly, that's not enough, you know, but I just want to acknowledge like there is incredible research that shows for even even the health impacts of the baby and the mother, we should be giving paid parental leave. Putting that aside from a business perspective, the benefits that I always focus on, number one is you cannot afford to not offer this because you will not get high quality talent. And if you have in the past, that is going to change. And I think that's a really important message is five years ago, you did not have to offer paid parental leave as a small company. You could still get good talent. This is my opinion. Now that is not going to be the case and it's going to get even harder because there is so much conversation nationally about this. All of the other companies that you are competing for talent with are offering this. And so we're hitting this tipping point where it's almost like less of a benefit and more of like, you are going to be in so much trouble if you don't offer this because you just won't be able to get good talent and period. But there are also benefits to it. So I think the struggle with talking about the benefits is they're hard to quantify. And so for a lot of the people who are submitting proposals for their first parental leave policy at a 20-person company or a five-person company, they want to be able to put together a business case. Well, the benefits here that are hard to calculate are productivity improvements. So if you're giving someone 12 weeks of unpaid leave, they're really stressed about it. And oftentimes, honestly, small companies actually don't qualify for FMLA. So we see a lot of small companies that will say, we'll give you six weeks paid or you get six weeks unpaid. And so what happens then? They come back and you're getting terrible quality work because they possibly just had major surgery six weeks ago or they're still exhausted. And so forcing someone to come back too early results in really negative productivity and so at the end of the day, you would be better off to just pay them for 12 weeks or 16 weeks and have them come back as their best selves. And by the way, there's a lot of research showing that once you become a parent, your productivity skyrockets. So offering that paid leave, I think, sets everyone up and your business up for much better productivity when the person comes back to leave. Loyalty. 
something that people really don't think about. And it is incredible. There's actually a Kinsey paper research study that just came out that was more focused on paid paternity leave for men. And it was like crazy statistics and quotes coming back from that, that these men were saying, we are so loyal to our company now. And, you know, when you think about that, we're in a world where it is so easy to jump ship. Oh, so easy. Constantly. And especially now that there's work from home. Like I live in Minneapolis before I could only look for jobs theoretically in Minneapolis. Now I can look anywhere. It's so easy for me to leave. And by offering paid leave, you're creating this really brand employer loyalty that is, I think it's the best tool you have for that. And then the third and sort of like, Yeah, I think that this would be the third one that I would say is like parental leave is also a really healthy forcing function for the business. And I think it's actually healthier for small companies because what happens with a lot of small companies is each person is doing a lot and they're usually a little scrappy because there's so much to get done. And so you're just sort of doing the bare minimum to keep it going. When you know you have to leave for three months, it forces you to really step up your game to put processes into place, to train people on how to take things over, to document all of these streams of work, to up-level your team. And so I think that there's this almost like secret benefit to parental leave that we never talk about, which is for a fast-moving company or a small company, it really forces an improvement in work because you should not be dependent on every person to be in their seat every single day in order for your business to thrive. I think so many employers are like, oh, I have to offer paid leave. And they don't realize that it's like a collaborative process. It's not like, and it can be, not all the time, right? Like if you're not actively working with your employee who's going to go out on leave, then yeah, they're just going to leave and not do anything. But you can make it this collaborative process of, okay, how are we going to make this work? Like coming up with a, an exit plan, coming up with a documenting SOPs, working together to make it be a great experience on both sides. And I think that employers forget that. I think that sometimes they're like, oh, they're just going to go on leave and I have to figure out how to pick it up. And it's like, no, you can work with this person and, and say like, yeah, we want to provide this to you but we need you to work with us to come up with the plan with us and what's going to support you and how to keep the business running in a way that you'll feel good about returning and we feel good about you leaving. And I think that's such a a thing that employers forget that they can do. Yeah, and I would add that almost everyone that we talk to, the employee wants to drive their plan. They want to have agency over where is my career going? What's going to happen with my business? I'm the closest to the details. And so it's not an overwhelming thing for the company. They need to be supportive. They need to open up the conversations. They need to, it's an iterative process, but most employees do actually want to drive this and take on most of this work for their benefit, as well as for the benefit of the business. And yeah, I mean, I think that I've seen so many situations where employees are just so deeply invested in the success of what happens with their work while they're out. I really very rarely, rarely see someone who just doesn't care and says, oh, I'm just going to take off for three months. No, their biggest concern from what we've seen is what is going to happen to my work while I'm out. So how do you use that? I hate to say to your advantage, but it is actually a really good situation to say, great. Okay. Where do you want to head in your career? How do we make this so that when you come back, you're going to be better than ever. The business will be better than ever. Let's identify all the things that are just like wasted work right now that we can just pause and sunset. And there's just so much positive work and outcomes when you approach this from that perspective, as opposed to like, oh, how are we going to survive with this person out? 
you will survive. And if you can't survive, then you've got bigger problems. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, and I think another benefit that we haven't mentioned, but is worth mentioning, again, just from the business perspective is like, if this is an employee who is doing a great job and is, you know, a great fit for your company, you want them to come back. If they don't, the cost of replacing them is so high. Recruiting costs, replacement costs, training costs, all of it is so high when you could literally just support this human having a like a very stressful, amazing, crazy experience. And they will come back and, and you won't have to invest that money in training somebody new, recruiting somebody new or anything like that. And so I think that's also a benefit that is often overlooked for sure. So we kind of talked about this as far as like, why small businesses should offer it, right? But I guess I want to dig into like, how can they? Like, what things should they think about when they're crafting it? Because I don't have employees yet, but when I do, thinking about having somebody go out for three months is a little scary. It's like, how do I pay for it? How do I cover their work? So like, what are some things that they should think about if they want to craft a policy like this? It's important to acknowledge what are the concerns. And there are two concerns cost, how do I actually pay for this? And then business impact. And I think most small companies are actually more worried about business impact than the cost, only because a lot of jobs, input time does not equal results necessarily for most jobs. And so like, you can figure out like the cost. It's like, well, but if they deliver, you know, I think the cost part is a little bit sometimes easier for companies to handle. Although we can talk a little bit about that. There are ways to make that easier. And then the business impact is really where I think small companies start to get concerned of like, if we're three people and one down, how could we possibly do that? It really depends. So I think it's actually quite easy if the company is fast growing, because what we see most companies do is, okay, you're small, but you have a hiring plan. And so if you know that this person is going to be out in September, instead of hiring an account manager at the end of the year, hire them in August, let them overlap by a month. They'll take over this person's role, not all of it, but pieces of it is training. And then they'll move on to their own role when this person comes back. Like there's some really interesting creative ways to use new hires, accelerate the hiring timeline and use this as a training ground. Now it's not cut and dry of like, you're going to do their role, but they can take on certain pieces of it that are most critical. It's probably also a better onboarding experience for that new hire, because I guarantee the majority of the folks listening to this podcast don't have any sort of onboarding program, no training for their team. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say again, take advantage of it, but the person who's going out is putting together all the onboarding anyway of like, like what a great opportunity. Things. Exactly. So we see this a lot. Large companies do this as well. Any company that's growing really fast, you can get really creative about how you adjust your hiring to fit in really nicely with that. And also it's easier than ever to bring in temps. So we don't see a lot of people bring in a full temp to cover a job, but we do see a lot of people say, okay, you know, 10% of my time is spent on this one marketing activity that we could outsource to a contractor five hours a week. And so it's not that expensive, especially for a small company. It's fairly easy. It's project-based. You hand it off, you take it back when you come back. And so that's really helpful. And there's so many people going off and doing their own thing that want freelance work. Yeah. And then I think like 
a lot of this just comes down to prioritization. I mean, this is exactly what we do in our business where everyone always thinks the business is going to fall apart without them. That's not true. But it does take a lot of work to really document like, what is your job? What exactly are you doing? What things are not as important? What things can be paused? So there is like, we have a whole framework around how to do this, but I do think prioritization and coming up with an explicit plan with explicit goals and deliverables is really important, especially at a small business. Now, the cost side, in some ways it costs what it costs, but there are some ways that you can play around with this. So if you feel like you can't afford to give 12 weeks of fully paid leave, one is that, you know, maybe you have a disability policy. A lot of companies use disability policies to subsidize this. We also, if you have an employee who lives in a state that has paid family leave, then they get up to 60% of their wages covered by the government. So the business is only covering the additional 40. The other thing is that we've seen this a little bit, but I would encourage small business owners to think about, okay, if you can't do it fully, doing something is better than nothing. So maybe you can pay 70% of 12 weeks, or maybe you say, we'll pay 100% for eight weeks, and then you can extend unpaid up to 16 weeks. We're seeing that. That's not as common. I mean, most of the companies we work with just pay, large or small, they pay. But we do see some situations where companies will say, we're paying for 10 weeks, but you can take up to 18. And so when you think about the employee's perspective, for some employees, it's all about the pay. They're really worried about pay. They, will, they need to have that paid time. Other employees, of course, they would like pay. But the most important thing to them is that they get 16 weeks and they do not want to come back before that. And so if you're able to allow that, even if it's not fully paid, you may still get that benefit of the loyalty and the, you know, like all of the benefits associated with the longer leave. Do you ever see, and this might be a little tricky and probably not the best practice, but I'll ask it anyways, like small businesses asking the employee, like, this is what we can cover. You know, would you rather us pay 50% of your salary over 16 weeks? Or would you rather get 100% for five weeks and then the rest unpaid? Do you ever see people doing it that approach? It feels like it might be a little risky, but I just wonder if it would be nice for the employee. Yeah, I haven't seen companies ask because typically what happens is they realize we need to have a policy because this is going to set a precedent for everyone. And so if you ask like the one person who's pregnant, then, I mean, actually, usually that is what happens of like, hey, what would be good for you? But they're not going to come back and say 50%, you know? And so I don't see that too often. What I usually see is they say, okay, here's our idea. How do you feel about this first pregnant woman? And she'll say what she says, and then they'll decide from there. And usually companies do start with a smaller policy, a lower paid policy, and then they grow fairly quickly as they realize, quite frankly, that it's not the end of the world and that they can't afford it. And in fact, they need it. What about having people return part-time? What are your thoughts on that? I love it. So many companies are doing this. All of the really top employers are starting to implement these welcome back months. They're fairly consistent. It's basically four weeks of part-time work for full-time pay. And so you can either come back and work half days, five days a week, or you can come back and work two and a half days. They usually let the employee decide with their manager of what works best for my individual role and for the business. People love it. And I love it from a business owner perspective. And what, what I advise to HR is you should absolutely consider this because I truly believe that that month, you're going to get 100% of value because 
they're going to only do 50% of the work, but it's going to be the highest value work. And so what they're cutting out is usually wasted stuff that is not driving a lot of impact anyway. And so everyone wins in that situation where you help the new parents transition back. They feel better. Usually also it forces a lot of intentionality. If you're only going to work 50%, you better make sure that every single thing makes sense. And a lot of these companies will have very specific onboarding plans because if they're going to go through the effort of approving a welcome back month, they're going to also define, here's the re-onboarding plan. Okay, everyone comes back. This is more for larger companies, but everyone comes back and they go through a product training, just like you're a new hire. Everyone comes back and you meet with these three senior executives very, very similar to new hire onboarding. So I love that. I think it's also really smart for small businesses because it is incredibly helpful for business disruption, for reducing the business disruption because you get them back to handle the most important things, but they also still feel a little bit like they're on leave and they still have that space. And I think it's so important to at least at minimum have a meeting with them and be like, all right, this is what's changed over the last three, four months, however long you've been out. This is what we're focusing on right now. Like giving them a regroup and like doing almost like an orientation, welcoming back, like at minimum do that. And I bet that's so forgotten that that's even needed. It's like, log on to your email. Let me know if you have questions. (laughs) It's like, okay, I have lots of questions. You really push managers to actually create a welcome back document. Take that is something that should be on the manager to figure out how do I update on all of the key projects? What are the important resources to link out to? Who should they meet with? It doesn't usually happen. And so there's both at a company level, what is the return to work program? And then also the manager level of what specific things do they need to get caught up on? So they're not wasting weeks and weeks trying to even find out where these things are. So you're now a business owner. Oh, and you guys just you raised some money, which is amazing. So congratulations. And you now have some employees also. That's obviously probably made you take a, a hard look internally to, on the things of, or I guess practicing what you preach a little bit, right? And so I'm curious, you know, you're a business owner. So you're thinking of the cost, you're thinking of the business impacts. You're also thinking of the humans that you're employing. Like, what are some of the worries that came up for you as you started to onboard team members to your company and you had to start coming up with your own leave policy? Like, what are some of the worries that came up to you as a business owner? Obviously, because of what we do, how I feel, I knew we had to give a generous, good parental leave policy. So we landed on 16 weeks paid and we only have four employees, including me right now, plus our team of coaches. Hopefully that will be much larger over the next coming months, but we're very small right now and I'm pregnant. So already, you know, we've got 25% of the company that's going to be out. I mean, well, hopefully it will be a smaller percent by then. So, yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing I think about is just business disruption of, okay, four months is it is a long time and also a short time. When I think about when you're moving really fast, it can go by so quickly from the business perspective, but I worry more about how do we cover for that work than I think about the actual cost because I very deeply believe that it's just the cost of doing business. So I don't care if someone is out and I'm paying them for four months of not work. I'm not actually that worried about it. I'm more worried about 
our customers, delivering value. If this critical person is out, how are we going to make sure that things don't fall apart? So that's my main concern. But the way that I actually think about it is we need to have a culture, which I think we do, of course. I mean, and I would hope we would have this culture even if we weren't working on parental leave, but I just would like people to tell me with enough time that we can put a really good plan in place because I think everything is about planning. We have a lot of changes coming up and hiring needs and milestones that can be moved. We can reprioritize. So we have so many levers at our disposal as long as we know in advance. And I actually think, you know, a lot of companies ask me, well, how soon should we know? I don't think you actually need to know before 20 weeks. So when I say early, I actually mean more like 20 weeks because, you know, if you find out at 12 weeks, what are you going to do? You're not going to plan at that point in time. So the way that we think about my pregnancy, for example, is we had all these goals that we wanted to hit by the end of the year. Well, we've got to hit them by September because I'm not going to be dealing with this stuff. (laughs) Good luck, team. No, just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) So we're reprioritizing and we're saying, okay, we're not going to do some of these things we said we were going to do. We're going to focus on the highest priority work. I was actually really excited when, of course, I was excited to find out I was pregnant, but the timing was perfect because by September, that's sort of past when most companies make their decisions for the next year. So it's perfect timing, but I can justify anything, right? It's like, I was really excited about that of, all right, this is our forcing function. We've got to get everything in order by this point in time. And we're going to use those three to four months after that, towards the end of the year for strategic planning. And this puts a lot of pressure on me in a good way, good pressure to pull myself out of the business because it was just me running this business for so long. That's not healthy. You know, what if I got hit by a bus? Like that is not healthy. And so I think that if I wasn't pregnant, I would be holding on to things a lot more. And it's the exact opposite. Like we talk on a daily basis about how I will be out. And so we need to make sure everyone is trained up. We're hiring some people sooner because of it. So I guess this is sort of very repetitive, but I really do believe it's all about planning. Yeah, for sure. As you were talking, it made me think of a, an, a something that we haven't talked about, but how do you create a culture where employees feel comfortable telling you that they're pregnant? Because I think so many people get pregnant And they're like afraid to tell their boss. And like, that's such a a loss of productivity too, if they're worried about stuff constantly. Do you have any like best practices? Maybe you do, or maybe you don't, but like making people feel comfortable bringing this stuff up when they might feel worried about it? I think that's a hard one to answer. I'm thinking more about our larger clients and the ones that have done this really well. What have they done? I think it really comes down to an example. It's interesting to me to see some of our clients where it is very clear that culturally, if the men aren't taking leave, that's not a good sign. You know, there's something wrong there where they feel like they can't, who would turn down taking parental leave? Everyone wants it. The only reason they don't is because of the career implications. And so it it is a little hard for me to unpack, like, why are some of our clients so good at it and others aren't? And I have to believe it comes from the top. I have to believe it comes Yeah, from like policy utilization, do they offer a strong policy? Do they make people feel supported that they can take this time off? Are people actually taking the time or are you getting these subtle messages of like, "Mm, the men aren't taking it. So clearly this isn't good. Right, it does. It's just like vacation policies, I would imagine, you know, like for your company, they're seeing you 
set up a plan and you're talking about it and you're very open about it as the CEO that people on your team are going to feel more comfortable sharing, you know, that with you because they see you, you doing it. Right. So I agree. It's definitely a top down thing for sure. And I talk a lot about what happened when I had my second child, which was nine months into this business and how it was very stressful, but it was so good for the business. And here's how I handled it. And I basically worked part-time for five months, which, and I think that talking like that also makes people feel comfortable of like, oh, she won't be scared if we're pregnant because look at what she's done. Do you mind sharing how you do plan to cover when you take off? Like, how are you planning to keep things afloat? I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, changing goals so that they they come early and stuff like that. Is there anything else that you're doing that you haven't shared with us? So I think the one thing that's interesting about me that I do not feel people should copy <laughs> is I do actually think that it's different when the CEO goes on leave versus the rest of the staff. And so it's something that, I'm really vocal about of, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. But that is my choice and my decision. And what I mean by that is my plan will roughly look, I haven't started planning yet, but it will roughly be probably eight weeks of like, absolutely no work. Um, You know, nothing. I may secretly change my mind and text people for updates. You don't know, but you want to set the expectation of like, I'm doing absolutely nothing for eight weeks. And then I would like at right now I'm feeling is I would like to have another eight week period of like ramp of, okay, the first week, so week nine, maybe I join the team meeting for an hour, you know, so very, very specific minimum things that I'm doing. And I would prefer that because I know from my previous children and the experiences that I actually felt much better knowing what was going on. But I needed to make sure that I set it up in a way that I knew what was going on, but I didn't feel like I had to do work. And so that's my goal with this leave of I want to stay in touch to a certain extent on the most important things. I want to be really thoughtful and like very slowly get back up to speed. And I'm excited about that because it basically forces us to really get clear on what the most important things are. And hopefully by the time I'm back full time, then I haven't picked up the things that are important again, because I do do a lot of things today that are not important. And I, I want those to be gone. So, but I do think like if I hadn't, if one of our employees went on leave, I would not expect them, you know, you have to be really careful. What example are you setting? Are people going to feel that, okay, I really only get eight weeks and then I have to start doing work. Absolutely not. I'm the CEO of the company. It's not something that I would ever expect anyone else to do. And I think when you're a small company, you can have those conversations and it's believable and people know that. I think you get into trouble when you're a larger company. If I, if I had 200 employees and I did that, you can't possibly have the personal connections for people to understand. And it becomes more important to set the right example at that point. Yeah, it's also tricky too. You, you really have to, I would imagine, adopt the philosophy and figure out how to make it come to life and that everyone can do what they want. Like, do what's best for you. And I think part of that is encouraging your team members who are going to go out on leave to work with a coach, like what you guys offer, because and we can talk about this, but I imagine they have those conversations with, with the person going on leave. Like, what do you actually want it to look like? Like, and like help craft the individual plan, because I bet there's a lot more people than employers realize that do kind of want to come back to work a little bit because they care. They want to know what's going on. You know, it's just like, I check my email on Sundays because I just, I want to know 
what I'm walking into on Monday. Like that's my choice. I don't feel like I have to, but I want to. And I think there's probably a lot of people who are that way. And then there's some that are not. And there's not one best way to handle it, I think. I think that's exactly right. We tell companies do not shut down email. That used to be a common thing that companies would shut off email because they would say, we want you to focus, you know, don't worry about this. What was creating more anxiety? So I think the golden outcome here, like what you're trying to get is you want every person to be able to choose what's right for them without them feeling pressured to do something, which can be tricky. So you want your employee to feel like, oh, if I want to reply to this email, I'm week 12 into my leave, I'm missing adult interaction. They can do it without then the rest of the team thinking, oh, they're back and now I can send them a million things. So it can be a really tricky situation, which is why actually one of the things we do pre-leave is define what is your communication plan. And you can say, I may reply to some of these things because I want my opinions heard, but I'm not going to be sitting down and doing work. And that's very different. So yeah, I think every person should be empowered to do that. It's just so hard to create a situation where people can choose what they want and not what they think they have to do. You've definitely provided so much value and insight to a lot of the business owners. So I'm curious if somebody is a business, small business owner, and let's say they're pregnant or, you know, they're planning to have a, a kid, you know, soon, how can they reach out to you and work with your guys' teams to set up a process or, or how do you work with the coaches, I guess? So I, there are many ways that we can help. Some are free. So I would encourage them to come to our website. We one of our biggest initiatives for the rest of the year is to continuously publish more and more resources, like an example policy you can download, and we'll show you all the different things that you can include or exclude. We have right now a request for an increase in parental leave policy. So very comprehensive if someone's working at a small company, but maybe they need to put together a proposal to ask for more time, you can download that from our website. So we're going to be really focused on those resources, which I think could be really helpful, just pulling everything we know from the companies we work with. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is we do work with a lot of small companies. So we have more expensive programs that are coaching one-on-one, very premium experience that a lot of actually small companies use that as well, because it's actually a fraction of the price of if this person ends up leaving the business. And so they can work with us in that way, or we do have group coaching options that are cross company and expecting employee gets put in with others who are due around the same time much lower price point, but they still get to use all of our materials and have access to a coach. So we do have, you know, the the coaching program resources. And I think that's also pretty interesting for small companies where if you just don't want to have to think about this, like we take so much of the work off of your manager and your HR team and help them through that experience. And they then feel really valued because they're like, wow, I get to work with a career coach that's usually reserved for executives. So we, that's why we get really excited about our program is it is very beneficial. It's creating a lot of value, but it also makes the expecting employee feel really good and confident. Employers are always looking for development opportunities, right? And, and what a great milestone in somebody's life to like really support them. So that's awesome. Well, I am so grateful for you to be on the show and I would love to know, I guess, what is the best way for our listeners to contact you or you know, keep in touch with what's going on at the company? What's the best place that they can go? Um, They can go to our website, parentally, so parentaly.com. Also, we're very active on LinkedIn, constantly posting best practices and stories like that. So if they want to follow us on LinkedIn, and then, you know, they can email us at info at parentally.com if they want to reach out with any specific questions. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really think this is going to help explain what parental leave even is, how small businesses can provide it. So thank you so much for coming on. And to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. As always, please make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and you can follow us on People Principles on Instagram and also check out the podcast at hiringschool.com. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week. Bye.